You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So there was not an episode yesterday. I sent out early that I overslept because I'm ridiculously tired. But I'll be sure to record one when I get home. And technically, it is still Friday at 7 o'clock for me. But I am not going to bother recording this and then releasing it at 8, 9 o'clock. And then nobody even listens to it. And it's just, I mean, it's just, we'll just do it tomorrow. This is for tomorrow. Why didn't I get the podcast done earlier, you might ask? It's very simple. I came home. I sat in my chair, kicked my feet up, pushed the back back and fell asleep. I think there might be actually something wrong with me. I'm like a 70-year-old man. I never understood how how like old men could just fall asleep in chairs. I mean, I, I always admired it. Like, that's that's awesome. And it was awesome. But um, I'm just a little stunned, I guess, that I can be the guy that comes home from work and falls asleep in a chair. So anyways, apologies across the board. A few preliminaries, by the way, before we uh, do our break and launch into stuff. Had a conversation with Mr. Seamus, the Irishman. Don't think he's from Ireland, but maybe. And he had a few suggestions for the show. I thought they were pretty decent, so I'm going to relay them to you. The first is, and I'm not positive that I'm going to work on these, but it does sound like a little bit of fun, but starting to work on some more top 10-y type lists. And the more I think about it, and the fact that there just is absolutely nothing going on, and I'm going to have to come up with a series, I'm thinking that might be it. However... There's another thought that he had suggested that I also thought would be kind of cool, and we can kind of run with it a little bit. That would be essentially call in and leave a voicemail, but instead of it just being sort of a general question, it's an argument. State a case. Ideally, it's not necessarily... Either it's a counterpoint to something I've said, or it's something different. I I really... You know, don't call in and tell me why Trubisky is garbage, because I'm not going to put that on the podcast, because I don't want to talk about it for the 75th time. I at least want to try to make it to week one before I trash the guy again. Same with Kevin King. I, I don't need, I don't want. I, Kevin King is a Green Bay Packer, man. He is a starting corner for the Green Bay Packers. You know what doesn't make me feel good to say bad things, especially when it's 95,000 times? I'm not doing that. But I thought that that would be kind of cool. And then I would essentially play it, assuming the, uh, the language and whatnot is appropriate for my audience, and lay out your argument, and I could, uh, you know, discuss it. The other thought, which is maybe a little bit, we're getting a little bit too complicated, but it would be to do point-counterpoint between two listeners. Seamus didn't come up with that, I just thought of it. But that would be, I go into the Facebook group, I say, here is sort of the, the topic, call in and leave a message. And if I get two contrasting points, then I'll just play them both and then discuss that. I think that would be kind of cool. So we'll, we'll try that out. If it doesn't work, then guess what? You're getting a bunch of top ten lists. So there. There you go. As for today, which is, is always funny, because you know better than I do what this show is going to be about, because you read the title, and I only have a, a rough theory in my brain about what we're going to be talking about. So maybe I just shouldn't tell you what it's about, because you know and I don't, and that's just a weird way to go about this. But I think it's going to have something to do, what I would like to kind of sort of get around to, is in some fashion, discuss the more difficult things the Packers are going to see in 2019. I haven't figured out the format yet. This is how I do things. I have a rough outline, and I figure it out as I go along the way. 
And I think we both know what exactly needs to happen right now. Sometimes I'll start a sentence, and I don't even know where it's going. I just hope I find it along the way, like an improv conversation, an improvisation. On that note, let's take our break, and we'll launch into this. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So the way that I feel like I should do this and the way that I'd kind of like to do it if I wasn't such a psychopath would be to just start with teams that aren't the NFC North, because we've talked about them kind of ad nauseum. But because in my brain I am such an organized person, which people that know me um, are laughing out loud right now hearing that, in my brain things are in specific orders. Shush. Um, But because of that, we're just going to go in order of the schedule, skipping the second time we meet, for example, the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions. So the first two weeks are going to be relatively easy because we've already done that. However, starting in week one, these sort of, and, and keep in mind, this is the biggest challenges, not necessarily my biggest fears, which would be, I don't know if it would be different enough to do a separate podcast because there might be a ton of overlap. Like I, I very specifically can see what that would be. Maybe I, I don't know. See, I'm, I'm changing my mind about what this podcast is going to be about. I'll try to do them side by side if they occur. But for example, for the Bears, my biggest fear is that Trubisky takes a big step in year three. If that happens, not only are we in big trouble, as in in week one, Thursday, September 5th, thank you Packernet schedule for being so clean, neat, and organized. Not only does it make it hard to beat them because we know they have a good defense and suddenly with a very, very scary quarterback, we're doomed. But beyond that, it becomes a problem because this is a long-term issue. The Bears are going to lock him up for a long time and this could be something where, depending on how good he is and how good Pace is at continuing to ensure that there's solid talent in Chicago... This could be a problem that, well, first of all, ensures that, you know, the, the, the goal of the Green Bay Packers winning again as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, that is severely hampered. But then what happens after Rodgers? It could be years of Bears domination. That's why that's my biggest fear. I think the biggest challenge that we're going to face is a little bit more geared toward things that I already know are a problem and will be a problem for sure. That is generally the Chicago Bears defense. Specifically, it's going to be the Chicago Bears pass rush. Last year with Vic Fangio, the the pass rush was scary. There's no question. And the pass rush has a name, and his name is Khalil Mack. But it was actually, despite being so successful 
as pass rushers, they didn't actually play super aggressively. Uh, the, the thing that we kept hearing all year long is that the reason the Bears are winning is because they're able to get home with just rushing four or three or five or what, however many they bring. They don't have to bring extra pressure to get home. That allows the secondary to succeed as well. That's why the defense was so good. It was so well-rounded because they were able to win with just the guys they have up front. They didn't have to do anything fancy or creative or whatever. They just told the guys who were getting paid to go get the quarterback to go get the quarterback, and they did. Supposedly, the Bears' new defensive regime has come in, and their goal is to be more aggressive. Now, I tend to think that's going to make them regress overall as a defense, partially because Vic Fangio, I think, is just a freak as far as being a coach, which, again, isn't just a playbook or or play calling, but it's game planning and it's in-game adjustments and those kinds of things, watching the offense, understanding the offense, learning how to counter the offense when they zig, we zag, all that stuff. That guy, the guy who was in, in charge of all that is gone. But I, I think despite them maybe not being as, as well-rounded and the, the secondary may not be quite as good and they may not have the best safety in the NFL anymore, still good, but I don't know if he's going to be number one and all that stuff, it still may culminate in a lot more sacks. When you've already got Khalil Mack on the team and that's all your attention, what how, how lethal is a corner blitz? I mean, we could see it coming and still not do anything. Like, yeah, the corner's coming. It's like, I, yeah, dude, but Khalil Mack's coming too. So we're going to double him and let the corner come and hope Aaron Rodgers can get the ball out because I'm not leaving you one-on-one with Khalil Mack. I'm being sarcastic. They wouldn't actually do that. But I'm just saying I think the ability to get after Rodgers um, could be very, very frustrating, depending on how successful he is. But again, they've got Khalil Mack on their team. They've got Akeem Hicks on the team, who's a pretty talented interior pass rusher. If you take things like Mike Pettin, who is pretty aggressive and schemey, and you give that to the Bears, it's just lights out, man. Again, it, they, they may not cover as well. It may not be a, as good of a, a team overall on defense, but their ability to get after Aaron Rodgers is going to be absolutely horrifying. And even if he realizes after week one, you know what, that isn't the best plan, let's back off. Um, week one, he's, he's, he's going to unload. The crazy thing is, week one is going to be nothing. I've already talked about this, and I need to move on, but there is so much that's going into week one you know, being a Thursday night game, first game of the season, all that stuff makes it huge. But it's Bears-Packers. There's so many new people. LaFleur is going to throw the kitchen sink at this team. Aaron Rodgers, who is just hurt, is going to throw the kitchen sink at this team. I mean, hurt by the Bears. Aaron Rodgers has been slaughtered by the media about his inabilities and this and that. He is going to throw everything he has at this particular game. Matt Nagy, the last time they played, week one, he threw the kitchen sink at the Packers. He's going to do it again. Chuck Pagano, brand new uh, defensive coordinator, needs the buy-in, needs to show that he can do this, he can be as good as Fangio, all that. He's going to throw the kitchen sink at the Green Bay Packers. Ha-ha Clinton Dix is going to give 110% to beat the Packers. Adrian Amos is going to give 110% to beat the Bears. Mitch Trubisky has been hearing from people, not me particularly, but people like me, that he's hot garbage. He's going to come out and try to prove everybody wrong. Not to mention you got a bunch of young guys trying to show off. Darnell Savage is going to come out and play lights out. Rashawn Gary is going to come out and play lights out. Billy Turner, assuming he's on the field. Zadarius, Preston. Everybody's brand spanking new. Everybody's going to want to show that they they were the right decision. On top of it being Packers-Bears, on top of it being on the national stage, on on top of it being the, the first game of the season. Oh, I mean, football isn't as violent as it was, but if this game doesn't get a little chippy, this game is garbage. 
Because I feel like there is so much pent up everything in this game and so much riding on this game week one when nothing actually matters that much. I feel like everybody's going to go out and play life or death football. I cannot wait for this. The Minnesota Vikings in week two, it's a similar sort of situation. I think the, the biggest fear is going to be Kirk Cousins. I, I, I could technically say my biggest fear would be that the defense kind of regains itself, but Kirk Cousins for the same reason. I think the defense is there. I, I think the defense is going to be better than they were in 20. I don't know what went wrong necessarily in 2018, but they have a very good coach. He's a defensive-minded guy. He's very smart. I tend to think he's going to figure it out. If and when Efferson Griffin gets his stuff together, that's going to be maybe the best pass rush duo in the NFC North. So it really just comes down to can the offense compete? Because if not... It's just, it's basically the Bears, but with, you know, better wide receivers, but a worse defense and a worse offensive line. If if Kirk Cousins can just bring back to life what we saw in 2017, which, as I said, is, is taking a quarterback who is not all that great and making him look like the greatest quarterback to ever play the game, exaggerating wildly. But there were several quarterbacks who came through here that just lit it up, and it was scary. Any team that has a good offense and a good defense is scary. Most teams are just trying to nail down one of those two things. If you get both, it's, just, it's, it's nearly impossible to beat you. As far as the biggest fear, as much as I'm feeling a, a slight bit of confidence in our secondary, um, being able to stop Diggs and Thielen is going to be the biggest issue. And it actually goes hand in hand with, with the quarterback situation. But, you know, what is, what is Jair's status going to be in terms of is he getting better? Is he about the same? I'm going to leave out regress because I just don't think that's... That, I mean, it very rarely happens. Um, as I said, I went back and kind of looked generally at, at the growth of people from year one to year two, year two to year three, and in almost every single case, the arrow goes up. It's just a matter of how much. But there is still concern with this in my mind in terms of what, what is the status of our defense going to be. Let's just say Jair is on Adam Thielen. Do we have a guy that can stop De- Stephon Diggs? And I understand we're stressing interceptions and all that kind of stuff, and that's cool. But if they're smart with the football, it's hard to give the ball away when guys are wide open. right? If nobody's in the area and Stephon Diggs has got three yards of separation on a guy, that's not going to get picked. I don't care how much you drilled that in practice. That's going to be a 48-yard gain. So yeah, I'm, I'm worried about their defense and all that kind of stuff, but I'm, I'm also kind of worried about maybe our defense isn't quite where it needs to be yet. We, we got young guys like Savage. We got Amos isn't quite where he needs to be. We don't really have a elite pass rusher yet. I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it just hasn't matured yet to the point where you don't need to worry long term, but it's week two. Right? Maybe Josh Jackson or Kevin King comes on real strong at some point in the season, but I don't know about week two. And again, if you got the Vikings just charging in at, at Lambeau Field, just playing lights out, just trying to rack up a ton of points, and they go up, you know, 17 nothing, it's going to be hard to come back against this defense. Again, I don't know what the defense is going to be, how good they're going to be necessarily, but it also comes back to what is our... I mean, if, if the Lafleur thing is really working, 17 points is doable. But that definitely concerns me. For Week 3 against the Denver Broncos, um, the, both cases are going to be defense. This team has... Bradley Chubb and Von Miller. As I've said before, Bradley Chubb had the quietest double-digit sack season in the history. He was he was a rookie who had 10 or more sacks and didn't get any note. I mean, he was an early-round guy. Usually, if you're drafted early, there's like a big, like, oh, man, he's going to be so good. And then he is, and it's like, oh, he's going to be one of the greats. 
Now, PFF didn't grade him all that high, so it may have been a situation kind of like Kyler where it came in spurts. He also has Von Miller on the other side, which doesn't hurt, but still, gotta be a little scared of the guy because he's a good football player, right? He, He may have had sacks similar to how Kyler had sacks, but he's not Kyler Fackrell. He's a different animal. And of course, Von Miller is, is you know, I know, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just annoyed by the fact that Khalil Mack is just automatically assumed to be the best. I, I don't know that Von Miller isn't the top guy. I've already made this case. If you haven't heard it, it's, you know, it's, it's somewhat negligible. It doesn't really matter. But the fact that it's just assumed Khalil Mack is this freakish human being and Von Miller is sort of like a second tier, that's nonsense. They're at the very least on the same plane possibly Von Miller is better in my opinion. If I had to pick, I would probably take Von Miller. I know he's not as physically imposing. He's not as big and freakishly athletic, and that's fine. I mean, I know you can look at him and just be like, oh, that one guy's really good and the other guy's just short and weird looking. He's not weird looking. I just tried to think of something else derogatory to say and I couldn't think of anything but short. He's smaller. I mean, he's smaller looking. But I really do believe Von Miller is better. And that's what essentially scares me. And I listen, David Bakhtiari and, and Chubb, whatever, man. But Von Miller on the right side, he's going to get Rodgers. He's going to get him. And these are the kinds of things when I look at it and go, I, I think, you know, maybe we'll move on from Brian Balaga and just see what happens. We'll roll the dice with, you know, whoever. See what Billy Turner can do. Think about the fact that essentially in three weeks we're talking about Khalil Mack, Daniil Hunter, and Von Miller. Don't you dare <laughs> touch Brian Balaga. And look, I understand Brian Balaga can't match up with Von Miller or Khalil Mack, but but he can match up to an infinitely higher degree than anybody else we have. And that's not a shot at Balaga, that nobody can match up against these guys. But, but you know, if somebody's got a chance, Balaga is one of the few that does. He's a very good right tackle. If there was a fear, it would essentially be that Vic Fangio just brings his magic over here, meaning it's not just going to be the really good players that we already know about. He brought over Callahan. They've got Harris at corner, who's one of the already one of the better corners in the NFL. That's what they had already. I'm talking about Vic Fangio magic. I'm talking about Isaac Yadom, however you say his name, taking a giant step. He's in his second year. We've already got two really good corners. We've got this great pass rush that, again, we got guys where we don't have to get super creative. We just bring what we've got. Von Miller and Bradley Chubb can get home. We also drafted Draymond Jones, who's a talented interior pass rusher. Also, Vic Fangio is well-renowned for his ability to make um, linebackers play really, really well. They've got a couple of mediocre linebackers, and I'm a little bit worried about what's going to happen. And beyond that, what about a guy like, oh, I don't know, Kareem Jackson? Kareem Jackson, for the most of his career, hasn't been very good, but he's been flashy, including in 2018, he had a pretty good year. He's done some pretty special stuff with guys like safeties, right? When Adrian Amos is the third best safety in the NFL, and another fourth-round pick that they got, um, Eddie Jackson, ends up being the best safety in the NFL, you got to kind of wonder about this whole uh, defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, now head coach of the Denver Broncos. We've also got a guy by the name of Justin Simmons, who is... um, a third-year guy. Because bottom line, I don't think outside of Von Miller, there's not a whole lot going on here with the Denver Broncos that I'm really scared of. However, that's actually very similar to the Chicago Bears. If you took Vic Fangio away from that defense, like take the 2017 Bears and put Khalil Mack on the team, that in my opinion is the 2019 Denver Broncos. But just sub out Von Miller for Khalil Mack. It's a bunch of guys that, yeah, there's talent. They got a good corner. They've got some pretty good defensive tackles. They've got that one safety that's pretty good. 
What tied it all together was Vic Fangio. Now, it took Vic Fangio several years. It was over the course of probably three or four years or whatever it was of slow progression to get there. But that's my fear because if this, if this defense becomes the Chicago Bears defense, we're all in trouble. Despite the fact that they don't have a very good offense, it still could be enough. Now, again, I'm hopeful with the new offensive scheme that, you know, for example, had our uh, now head coach, Matt LaFleur, been the head coach last year, we probably could have done a little bit more against Bears defenses of the past or Vikings defenses of the past that have been pretty solid because we're adjusting, right? You know, you can get to the quarterback fast, we get the ball out quicker. You know, we're, we're messing with your linebackers who aren't very good and we're, you know, whatever. Still, it's a concern. As far as the Eagles, the only good thing about this game is the fact that it's in Green Bay. I think the biggest challenge that we're going to face is going to be the offense in general. And I have to be kind of general with this because there's a lot to be afraid of. Carson Wentz. um, Carson Wentz, in my mind, is, is actually kind of falling into the same category of Andrew Luck. I think he's a guy that, when healthy, is is potentially one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. Now, there's a lot of quarterbacks in the top, so I'll just leave it at top 10, which doesn't sound that you know impressive. But he's very, very, very good. But he's hurt, and he's played not so great when he's hurt, and he hasn't been there, and it was the other guy that won the Super Bowl. So everyone just kind of glosses over him. Same as Andrew Luck, who, in my opinion, is easily a top quarterback, except he's always hurt, and he plays for garbage teams and whatever. But Carson Wentz is scary. The offensive line is terrifying. They have Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, who they've had for a while, but they also added Deshaun Jackson. And that doesn't even include the fact that they have Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz on their team. Oh, and they got Jordan Howard from the Bears, who I think is a very good uh, football player. Biggest fear, if I had to get one, would essentially be the defense. Now, the reason I say that is because when I'm doing fears, I'm talking about potential fears. I don't actually respect their defense as much as a lot of people probably do. They've got some real scary guys, but that defensive line isn't what it used to be. They've lost some pieces. They went out and got Malik Jackson to try to replace some people. I don't think he's the guy. Maybe he is. Maybe he's still pretty solid. He had a down year last year. He's getting kind of long in the tooth, man. He's been around a while. They got Vinnie Curry along the defensive line. He's not all that great. And a couple years ago, they drafted Derek Barnett. He's been pretty underwhelming. Now, that still leaves Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, which is horrifying, But outside of that, the defensive line isn't what it used to be, which used to be four strong across the line. Other than that, I don't know how much respect I have for the defense overall. Zach Brown played out of his mind. He was graded by Pro Football Focus as the third best uh, football player, or excuse me, (laughs) the third best linebacker in the NFL last year, but it was a wild anomaly. And not like an anomaly in his second or third year where you look at it and go, oh, there's the big growth we've been looking for. No, he's been in the league since 2012. Average, average, terrible, good, good, terrible, elite. Those are the kinds of things where I expect him to go back to that whole average thing next year. The corners are just not very good. Sidney Jones is one guy that I'm kind of like, I'm still wondering if he's ever going to turn the corner. He's been hot garbage. Ronald Darby, meh. Jalen Mills, pretty terrible. The safeties are mediocre. The rest of the linebacking group is media. Essentially, this entire defense is Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. Very, very good, but that's it. Should be able to do stuff with that. So, again, the concern is the offense because the offense is going to be scary. Or, excuse me, the challenge is the offense. The biggest fear I have is that the defense is still playing at a ridiculously high level, despite the fact that I don't know that they still have the same level of talent that they've had the last several years. After that, our little home stretch is done, and we're heading out to Dallas to face the Cowboys 325 on October 6th on Fox. Now, this game, to be completely honest, 
I know everybody wants to talk about Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and some other people, you know, Amari Cooper or whatever. I think the biggest, the, the one of the hardest things we're going to have to overcome, and it's so weird. There, there are a few really key pieces on this defense. And maybe I should keep it general and say defense, but one of the things that, and again, it's weird because they're so undervalued, but you can almost see why their defense is so good because of it. But this is easily the, the best, in my opinion, so not universally easy, but to me it's easy, the best linebacking duo in the NFL. And again, it seems weird because linebackers are so undervalued, but when you think about modern offenses especially and what they're trying to do, having Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, who are both extremely young and ascending, and already probably the best linebacking duo in the NFL, trying to run, especially for the Packers trying to get outside zone, because that's part of what helps manipulate defenses, right? We're trying to get, these guys can flow to the outside like it's nothing. But then on top of that, right, you're, you're utilizing people like tight ends. So what, essentially what we're trying to do is manipulate everybody, but pr- primarily it's the linebackers. And if we're trying to get you to flow one way and manipulate you by having other guys go the other way, and you can hang with that, suddenly we just got to line up and play. Now there's other little creative things you, that can be done. And a lot of the scheme, you know, you get guys open for a variety of reasons that you can get guys open. But when the middle of the field is locked down as well as it is for Dallas, it just kind of hurts your ability to manipulate space. Really intelligent linebackers that aren't falling for your, your nonsense that can get somewhere real quick can really, really hurt um, really good offenses like this. Now, on, on the reverse side, it kind of depends what makes these linebackers really, you know, if they're really good because they're really athletic, these are the exact kind of defenses that you can hurt. It's the over-aggression. We want you to run as fast as you can in that direction to try to meet you because then we're going to beat you out the other way. If it's intelligence, you might be in trouble. And I honestly don't know the answer to what it is. I'm guessing it's a little bit of both. But that, that is what concerns me. And if I could snap my fingers and make something go away, I would downgrade their linebackers. Now, that might seem silly with Demarcus Lawrence sitting on the edge. But we, listen, we, got, we just got to man up and figure that out. Because every single week, every single week, through five weeks, we have an elite pass rusher who is primarily going to be lining up over by Brian Balaga. Khalil Mack, Daniil Hunter, Von Miller, Brandon Graham, Demarcus Lawrence. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Now, as far as my biggest fear, it's it's going to go back to the offensive side of the ball. I don't think this offense is all that. I mean, and I've been kind of saying, you know, Dak Prescott, I think, was overhyped. I think that's been proven to be true. Ezekiel Elliott, I've been saying for a long time, I don't think he's all that great. He's good, but he wasn't deserving of all the accolades he got. I think he was overdrafted. And I think a lot of his success is the fact that he played behind, and this is probably largely true with Dak Prescott as well, they played behind one of the most historically great offensive lines that we've seen in I don't know how long. It was absolutely unbelievable how good from from left to right across that entire offensive line, how elite those players were. And many of them are still there. But as it begins to erode, and by the way, this is why I've been screaming, draft offensive line, draft offensive line, draft offensive line, because all the NFL is, is we get really good at something, it's the thing that makes us win, and then we neglect it, and it falls apart, because we can't identify why we win and why we lose. It's unbelievable how teams either can't identify it or refuse to address it. Well, we already got that, let's get something else. Well, great, now you got Suofilo at left guard. Now you got Lael Collins at right tackle. How you feeling about that? You still got you still got uh, Tyron Smith on the left side. You got Travis Frederick and and Zach Martin um, on the center and right guard, which is an unbelievable duo. 
But man, this team was unstoppable for one year because nobody could stop this powerhouse offense behind this powerhouse offensive line. Why do I keep, who cares? Point is though, there's still a part of me that wonders, are they going to regain that? Because the defense just keeps getting better. And Amari Cooper did join and that's cool and he is helping the offense, but I feel like you gotta play to that identity. And the identity was just this stifling defense and this ground-and-pound offense where Ezekiel Elliott would just smash you in the mouth over and over and over and over again, and Dak Prescott would just be there to play cleanup. Not that he's a bad quarterback, but it's just he would come in and just be decisive, and he could run, which would all, you know, it's you think we're going to run, but we're not. We're going to throw the ball, which is all messing you up because you're playing the run. So we're going to hit this guy over here or this guy over here, and if nobody's there, then I'm going to run. We've got all these different options, and it just destroyed teams. Now it feels like the offense is sort of regressing, although everyone thinks they're great now because they got Amari Cooper. But again, Amari's overhyped. I think Prescott's overhyped. I think Ezekiel Elliott's overhyped. But together... With still a decent offensive line and Michael Gallup maybe taking a step, and Randall Cobb isn't what he used to be, but he's still going to be a role player. He can still do that whole slot thing and be that kind of a guy. Again, I'm, I'm scared of the defense because I know it's good, but my, my biggest fear is this offense kind of being what it was like two years ago. Because if that happens, I'm just, we're in trouble. With the Lions, um, I think the biggest hardship is going to be actually the the offense and primarily trying to stop the passing attack. Now, they, they kind of dialed this back a little bit, but, you know, you look at Kenny Galladay, you look at Marvin Jones, Matt Stafford can still throw the ball a lot. They got James, they got Hawkinson, they've got a really good running back. The, the Lions have historically been kind of a team where everybody talks a lot of trash, but they can come in and just wreck your day. Usually they're going to lose because they're not good, but Stafford can just come out and throw for 60 billion yards and just destroy your team, just to spite you. Yeah, we're only going to win three, but one of them is going to be right now, and we're going to start trashing your team as you try to make it into the playoffs. I worry about Stafford and Galladay and Jones and Johnson and, and a decent enough offensive line with these decent tight ends and all this stuff. That worries me because I know they're good. And that's going to be a big challenge. Now, it's not going to be as big a challenge as, as, say, you know, Demarcus Lawrence and Von Miller and Khalil Mack and all those kinds of things. But I'm working with what I've got. Now, my biggest fear is going to be the defensive line. And primarily, is there going to be a pass rush? Trey Flowers was a pretty good pass rusher. But there's some talk about what's he going to be now that he left? What's he going to be? You know, I know he has the same uh, coach as he had a defensive coordinator before, but that doesn't really matter. Is he going to be as successful, and is somebody else going to step up? Because this defensive line is already scary in terms of trying to run against them. I mean, if you just look at it, Pro Football Focus essentially has given across their front four, four elite grades. That's horrifying. But again, with context, three of them are elite run defenders. One of them is is pretty good in both categories. But if, if, if all they can do is stop the run, I'm not all that concerned, because nobody else is going to be able to do anything. Their linebackers are trash. We can manipulate them. Darius Slay's decent. He's a little overrated, but, you know, he's, he's very good. But Devontae can take care of him, and the rest of our wide receivers will probably be able to handle the rest of their corners and their safeties are meh. But if they've got pass rush on top of this with the offense that they've got and everything else just kind of coming together, that's when it becomes kind of a fear. And similar to what I said about, you know, the Bears and Trubisky, if Flowers and some of these guys become pass rushers, a lot of these guys, with the exception of Snacks, are pretty young. So this is long-term pass rush on top of Kenny Galladay 
and Stafford's going to be around for a little while. Hawkinson's going to be so all this stuff. It's it's an ascending and also relatively not quite as young as the Packers, but a relatively young team where the talent is the youth. Next up, we got the Oakland Raiders, who are somewhat of a laughing stock. But let's not forget that they are during they're in the midst of a rebuild, and and if if they can ever get this thing rebuilt, there's going to be a time in which they were bad and now they're good. So let's hope it's not this year. But obviously, the 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 biggest challenge is going to be Antonio Brown. Yes, that guy. Yes, I have to say it that way. And for obvious reasons. I don't think I really need to elaborate, and it doesn't matter who we put on him. It's probably going to be Jair, but Antonio Brown is going to have a, a really good game. I mean, he doesn't have to. And the benefit of them not having a ton of talent elsewhere is that we can put Jair over there or we can do what maybe Pettin has talked about in the past, where maybe we don't put Jair over there. We put our second best corner, whoever that would be, Tremont, King, Jackson, whatever, and we shade a safety to his side. Essentially, we double cover him. We put our best uh, corner on their number two wide receiver, who in this case is Tyrell Williams, who's not all that great. And in that case, we've got a pretty decent shot, especially if we're able to bring a lot of pressure and, and everything else. I think we'll be all right. Now, biggest fear, I think, essentially would be the offense overall really taking a step. The offensive line, they've invested a lot in it. Richie Incognito is going to be suspended, but I... What what was it? Four games or two games? Either way, he should be playing. So they've got Colton Miller at left tackle, who's not very good, but maybe he steps up. Trent Brown, they paid a ridiculous amount of money for. He's a pretty good guy. Game Jackson at right guard is a solid player. Rodney Hudson is pretty solid. And Richie Incognito has always been a little crazy, but a pretty good. So the offensive line is solid. They've got a number one wide receiver, a true elite wide receiver. They've got a good enough uh, quarterback, and they drafted Josh Jacobs in the draft. Redundant, yes, but also true. If the offense overall is clicking and they're able to run the ball and they're able to distribute the ball to Josh Jackson, maybe a little bit to Terrell Williams, whatever, Antonio Brown is going to be good enough to be able to make plays even in the midst of, say, double coverage. Because remember, double coverage isn't exactly you got two guys just draped all over him. you got a safety who's playing a little bit off. You can kind of run him out of a different direction. He's, he's going to get the ball either way. I'll say I'm not overly concerned about the Oakland Raiders, but that would be the one thing where it's kind of like, you know, you watch the offense and they get the ball and they kind of charge down the field. And it's not just all Antonio Brown. It's a bunch of other stuff. It's running the ball, catching the ball, tight ends, wide receivers, running backs. Offensive line is blocking well. We're not getting pressure, all that stuff. That's when you look at it and go, oh, no. <laughs> Like, please, no, don't do this to me. So that would be my concern, is that this offense is starting to take a step. They did add some pieces on defense. They went out and got LaMarcus Joyner at safety, who's a very good football player. They got Cleland Furl in the draft. Hayden Hurst in the inside is pretty solid. Arden Key maybe takes a step, but probably not. And then they drafted Jonathan Abram. They got Trayvon Mullen. Overall, I just, I don't, I'm not scared of this team. I'm just, I mean, the defense. I'm just not scared of the defense. The week after that, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs. On the road, the biggest challenge is pretty obviously going to be arguably the best trio in the game right now, which is Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill. They lost their running back, but they still have a good running back, and that was never really the the most dynamic thing um, going for him. All right, Mahomes, if he doesn't take a step back, is possibly the most lethal. I mean, he's, I, I guess we'll say top five. It's, it's, it's inarguable. If he doesn't regress, which is possible, it's inarguable that he's top five. I would say top three. It's really just um, Breeze, Rodgers, and Mahomes. But I know there's a lot of people who are going to get upset. Not many Packers fans, but some people will get upset saying Brady should be in there, which I don't really agree. Other people might say Russell Wilson, whatever. I I, I don't care. <laughs> Not the point. 
Bottom line is there are some very serious people who think Tariq Hill could be the next really big thing. As we see the Julios and the A.J. Greens or whatever getting older, not necessarily worse, but, you know, who's the next big young star? Tariq Hill, and, and some people are saying he's he's Randy Moss level good. He's Jerry Rice level good. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, this just, just maybe it's just off-season craziness. I haven't really sat down and just watched him, but apparently his skill level is pretty much unmatched, according to some people. Either way, Tariq Hill is a freak. Travis Kelsey is, you know, at this point in time, maybe the best tight end in the game. And Pat Mahomes, a lot of people would say the same thing about him at quarterback. I'd love to dispute it. We'll have to see if somebody can edge him out. Hopefully Aaron Rodgers can kind of reclaim that mantle, the mental mantle. I love that I get to say it was a down year, primarily because of the coach and the lack of talent and some other stuff. But if it persists, and we haven't seen him have a good year in, I don't know, a very long time, can be a little worried, I guess. Which is not my worry. My worry would actually be the defense, because I've been saying for a while, this this game doesn't scare me as much as it probably will a lot of people. Because if you look at it, well, the best team on our schedule is probably the Chiefs, therefore this is going to be the hardest game, therefore blah, 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 blah. But there's a lot of variables with the Chiefs as well. One of them being, is Mahomes going to stay at that level? The, the second thing that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable is, as I've said, Aaron Rodgers does better against elite offenses than he does against elite defenses, which makes sense. Aaron Rodgers is an offensive guy. The, the team runs through the offense, and if you want to get into a shootout, that kind of plays to our strengths. If you're a team that can shut down a quarterback, we're in trouble. Now, again, without going too far into a rabbit hole, that's exactly what I hope changes because we can overcome good defenses by not just playing strength against strength, but just manipulating and doing those kinds of things. That would be super nice if we could figure that out. But the thing that worries me is is the defense, because even though I know they've got a lack of talent, I know their linebackers are not great, I know they need some help um, at corner, there's some potential. They've switched defensive coordinators, which could change things pretty drastically. Got guys like Reggie Ragland, who had a decent rookie year. He was a high-round draft pick. Fell off last year, but, you know, who knows? Anthony Hitchens, same thing. Last year, he was okay. I mean, he, was, he hasn't been very good for most of his career, but last year was pretty decent. Really, really, really dropped off last year. They've got Bashad Breeland. I was never the biggest Bashad Breeland fan. I was one of the only Packer fans who was like, eh, he's all right. The consensus seemed to be he's elite, he's amazing. Fortunately, he's not on our team, but... Um, as much as I said he's okay, he, he's he's got talent. Last year wasn't it, but he's shown some stuff occasionally, and he's now the number two, probably, next to Kendall Fuller, who, again, he was decent last year, but the year before that, which was his second year, he was graded out as elite by Pro Football Focus. But beyond that, not only do they have a new defensive coordinator who maybe can get the best out of these guys, you know, like Ty- uh, Tyron Matthew. Keep forgetting how to say his name. It's like Byron. Tyron like Byron, but they've uh, completely changed their scheme, and it's the defensive front specifically that scares me, because everybody knows they got Chris Jones up front, and Chris Jones is similar to Kenny Clark, right? He's a relatively young guy who's fighting his way up to essentially try to get more recognition, right? Everybody knows some of the big names, the Aaron Donalds and whatnot, even Akeem Hicks, who I don't even, he doesn't even belong in the same category, in my opinion. That's not, that's, well, whatever. He's not as good as Kenny Clark. And he's not as good as Chris Jones. But anyways, Kenny Clark and Chris Jones aren't quite as well known. And they should be because they're both insanely good. But outside of that, they also, not only are they switching to this 4-3 scheme and they, they got rid of their two big pass rushers, but they brought in Frank Clark, who, you know, although he didn't grade out super high by PFF, 
according to um, you know the experts out there, he's a really, really good football player. I mean, he had 13 sacks last year, which is always going to be a good thing. And they paid him a lot of money to be the guy. They've also got along the defensive line Derek Nadi, who they drafted. He was a rookie last year if he takes a step. So the, the biggest challenge is going to be facing Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey and trying to stop that. My biggest fear is that the defense figures it out and goes from being just an absolute garbage defense to being actually pretty serviceable. And I, as I've said with some, several other teams, I'm not scared of just a front. right? If, you, if, you've, if Clark is a pretty solid guy, which as good as he is after facing some of the guys we've faced, he doesn't scare me. Right, Brian Balaga is going to be told how good he is, and he's going to look at this guy and be like, this is, I mean, he's good, but this is basically like a vacation. But if it's if it's just a front, and they don't have linebackers, and they don't have safeties, and their corners aren't that great, we'll be fine. Then it just goes back to my original concern, can we keep up? Can we outpace Mahomes and Kelsey and Hill and Watkins and whoever else you want to care about? The Chargers are kind of tough, and I'm not sure what exactly to be more scared of. So we'll just call this the biggest challenges because I don't really want to just nail it down. Phillip Rivers, I think, is maybe the most underrated quarterback in football. I, I know he throws weird, and it's West Coast, and nobody cares, and nobody cares about the Chargers in general. But he played out of his mind last year. He was graded as the seventh highest rated quarterback and given a borderline elite grade, which is, by the way, the fourth of his career. He's only had one um, year where he was graded as average. Every other year was either good, very good, or elite. Does that make him Drew Brees? No, it does not. But he's, he's good, and we should be worried about that. Beyond that, although Melvin Gordon is holding out for money, and it's not really for sure if he's going to sign, the, the, um, the thought about that is kind of all over the place. I tend to be more in the cold-hearted camp of fine buy. I'm not going to be held hostage by a running back, especially when, and this is the important part, their backup came in and was just as good. And we've seen that a lot, right? Le'Veon Bell, maybe the best running back in the game. He goes out. Their running game was fine. James Conner was dominant. He, he didn't get as many yards per carry. He's not as good a receiver. But if, if you just look at it, how, how much did it destroy their team? It just didn't. Gordon goes down with injury or whatever, and Austin Eckler comes in. He, he Technically, he was even graded higher than Melvin Gordon was. Better receiver. So, you know, as far as modern offenses go, when, when he's almost as good of a runner and is an infinitely better receiver, and you got this guy trying to hold you you know, down at gunpoint saying, I demand money or a trade. I mean, I'm going to weigh my options, but I'm probably just going to look at them and chuckle and say, okay, bye. I know that seems crazy, but I mean, that, that that's just my general thought about a lot of this stuff. The, the salary cap is so incredibly valuable. Teams giving out these big contracts to quarterbacks that just aren't anything. I don't know. I, I understand a lot of teams have owners, and if you get rid of your quarterback or whatever, the fans are going to be mad at you. They're going to be screaming. You're not going to have the best year you've ever had, and then you might lose your job. So you make ill-advised decisions to, you know, for the sake of self-preservation. And for a quarterback, you can understand it a little more, although I would probably have gotten rid of several rather than pay them. Like, look, look bottom line, this is what you're worth. This is what you're getting. I'm not giving you a premium just because we can't find somebody else. That's literally my job description. I will find somebody else. Goodbye. But a running back, dude? Come on. I'm sorry, I know he's really, really good. But if he's looking north of $15 million, I'm just not doing it. Now, with that said, the Chargers probably will do it just to spite me so that we have to face him. Or he'll trade him away to, <laughs> to the Vikings or something. Oh, jeez. Then I'm really going to eat my words. Although, I stand by what I said, it would be the right decision. 
Austin Eckler, again, graded higher as Melvin, than Melvin Gordon, a much better, very, very good receiver, 24 years old, has almost no tread on his tires compared to Melvin Gordon. I'm just going to go to Austin and be like, dude, you want a big contract? I'll pay you $7.5 million per year, four-year contract, sign on the dotted line. The second he signs it, I'm going to call up Melvin, and I'm going to say, enjoy your time in, I don't know, then I'm going to send you somewhere horrible. <laughs> well, why are you trying to do that to me, man? Unfortunately, I probably would send him to the Vikings, just because he has a terrible off, or, or the Texans. Either way, it's a pretty good situation for the team, but he's going to have a terrible offensive line. Anyways... Phillip Rivers and Keenan Allen are the really scary things on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, there's Bosa and Ingram, which is a very good pass-rushing duo. And then there's Derwin James, who um, who's the guy that makes us all feel like we're really good scouts. Because <laughs> it was pretty obvious to see how good he was. He came in, was one of the top safeties in his first year. He's just going to keep getting better. He's a freak. As far as biggest concern, I, I really don't know. I mean, the, the defense wasn't at its full potential last year. Bosa and Ingram weren't nearly as good as they were in 2017. Casey Hayward was good, but not nearly, you know, at his potential. Same with Trevor Williams. I don't know what's going on, man. Some some second team in a row where it's like they just fell off a cliff defensively. But if you get Bosa and Ingram back at full strength, and then you take a guy like Jerry Tillery, who's a very, very good player and a good pass rusher, and then Nasir Adderley, who they drafted. If they can hit on these things and get a little bit of a bounce back, it's going to make a big difference. However, the Chargers, in my opinion, are almost like the Lions, which seems a little unfair to the Chargers. But I just I, I just look at them, and I, I think that they have a really good team, and they don't ever do anything with it. They never play up to their potential. Last year going in, I said they had the best pass rushing duo in the NFL, both of them regressed. Bosa was hurt for most of the year, so that's maybe a little bit unfair, but whatever. But, you know, full scope, their offensive line is not great. Oh, they do have Hunter Henry as well, um, so that's a concern. But the offensive line isn't great. The defense, depending on what they're going to do, could be kind of scary, but I think at the very least we can take a guy like Devontae and just make some stuff happen. But we'll have to see running the ball against this defense, especially with Derwin roaming around. It's a little bit scary. And I cannot believe it's been 45 minutes. We're at week nine, so I'll just cut it and we'll say that we're going to do a half a year today and a half a year tomorrow. I don't know. I didn't want this to be a two-part thing, but it is what it is. Bottom line going through this, though, and I know it's kind of irrelevant because every year we say, well, this is the strength of schedule. These are the tough opponents. These are the easy opponents. And teams just completely, it just gets flipped on its head. Some of the teams you expect to be good are garbage and vice versa. However, that's kind of why doing the two-part kind of deal makes the most sense. Here's the things we know are good, pending injury, obviously. In this case, Rivers, Hunter Henry, Keenan Allen, Derwin James. Then there's the additional fears. These are the things that can make them even better. I suppose I could have gone the other direction as well to kind of play both sides of it, but then we would have only got through a quarter of the season. So anyways, I guess we're going to cut it here. If I can, because I'm going to work for only a part day, if I have a little bit of time, I'll record the other half of this today, then we'll be all caught up. We'll see how it goes. Either way, enjoy your day. Have a great Saturday, and I will talk to you tomorrow or later today. Have a good one. Bye-bye.